0: This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. I'm Molly Dyer. The date of this podcast is July 1st, 2020. If you're listening, wherever in the world you are, I hope you're staying safe and healthy while we await the horrors that July will bring us during this horrific dumpster filled with boiling garbage juice that we're calling 2020. Keep holding the police accountable. Keep holding the government accountable. Punch Nazis and hex the patriarchy at every opportunity. Today's topic is puppets and dollies. Most people, I would imagine, are familiar with the concept of a voodoo doll. It's been memorialized in popular culture since sometime after the beginning of cinema and television. The voodoo doll has become something stereotypically associated with witches, voodoo priestesses, and bored housewives just looking for a new hobby. But in case you're not familiar, a voodoo doll is a human image created in clay or wax, or is just a small doll made from some sort of fabric and stuffing. Using clay or wax, certain herbs that are sometimes baneful can be kneaded into the wax or added into the stuffing of a doll. Although in a pinch, a one-dimensional paper cutout has worked for me in the past. I literally made a poppet from a piece of copy paper once in my office. It was of my boss, yes. I'll get to that story later. When talking about poppets being made from wax, clay, or fabric, that's to say modern poppets and dollies, they've been found made from carved roots, corn cobs, fruit, paper, potato, tree branches, just about anything you could dream up, especially if it was something readily available to somebody with very limited means. When they've been found in England or here in the States, most often back in the East, they're usually found shoved up inside the chimney of a really old house. The word poppet itself is an older spelling of puppet, of course, which just means a small child or a doll. Poppet is sometimes used as a British term of endearment, much like sweetie or dear, though I'd imagine most of my listeners in Britain right now would agree that the word poppet, used as a term of endearment, has pretty well fallen out of favor, save for the older generations that are still with us. Poppets are effigies, and as such, they represent a specific person. They're usually created in a specific person's likeness, even if they rarely actually look like that person. But it's very important to note, they don't have to look like that person to work, and to work well. Voodoo dolls are also poppets, but much like the square and the rectangle, while all voodoo dolls are poppets, not all poppets are voodoo dolls. Poppets have been around for a while, for millennia, actually. In ancient Egypt, the enemies of Ramses III were said to have used wax images, poppets of the pharaoh in rituals to help bring about his death. Ancient Greeks also made use of poppets in rituals for binding ceremonies for lovers or for healing purposes, and especially to restrain ghosts and spirits thought to inhabit temples and houses. They really are one of the oldest forms of sympathetic magic still in use today. And there are a bunch of different types of puppets, each relatively similar but distinctively different. Today, you can buy voodoo dolls, and I'm using air quotes there, from countless online destinations. And, and, if you stroll down the streets of New Orleans, if you know where to look, you can find a few shops that are purveyors of the real thing. And it might set you back a few bucks, but the real thing might be worth it. And if you don't want to spend a lot of money, or if you just want a cool souvenir, you can hardly throw a rock without hitting a shop that sells touristy artifacts from the Big Easy, including voodoo dolls with hair made of yarn, X's for eyes, and with pins already in place. And hey, look at that, as a keychain. And while voodoo dolls are the subject of innumerable myths and legends and countless pop culture references like movies and TV shows, I'll save the topic of voodoo dolls and the voodoo religion itself for another podcast, and I'll try to track down an actual practitioner of Afro-Caribbean voodoo to talk to. I'm definitely not an expert on that, and I certainly won't make myself out to be an expert when I'm not, so I'll leave that to somebody who is. And I might know somebody. I do want to talk about poppets, and by extension, dollies, or in Appalachia, they're sometimes called doll babies. Dollies are, in fact, poppets, and poppets are also dollies and doll babies. They're one and the same. They're used in American Conjure quite a bit, and I have to admit, I keep a pretty good stock of muslin fabric on hand because I make poppets, doll babies, as I usually call them, pretty often. But as I stated before, doll babies and dollies can be made from just about anything that can be fashioned to look like a representation of a human, even vaguely. I imagine that in the mountains of Appalachia, roots were used to make doll babies more often than not. Same for twigs and sticks bound together with pieces of long grasses, and of course, corn husks. Never underestimate the power of a well-made corn dolly. If you've listened to last week's podcast, Witches Don't Curse and Tell, you might remember me talking about cursing, hexing, binding, and banishing. Well, poppets and dollies can be used in every one of those forms of manipulative magic. For this podcast, I'll be focusing mainly on American Conjure and Appalachian dollies and doll babies, because that's what I do. And I'm also going to be using the example of healing for this podcast, and not crossing up or jinxing someone. But you can translate this pretty easily into whatever you do, whatever you want to call it, and for whatever reason you want to work it. You do you. Before you begin, here's a little something that's kind of important to know. Poppets or doll babies, whatever they're made out of, have to be brought to life, so to speak. Again, this is a specific person you're creating an effigy for. So you have to give this little doll baby life. I usually command my doll to awaken, to be alive, and to be an extension of the person that I've created this doll baby for. So let's say I've created a doll baby for my friend who's sick. We'll call her Susan. Susan has pretty bad diverticulitis. That is the first thing I could think of. Okay, Susan has a raging case of diverticulitis. She's in a lot of pain, and the doctor said if she can't get it cleared up, it's surgery for sure. So I've been asked by Susan to work some magic. And of course I will. How do I go about doing this for her? Well, if you're me, then you create a poppet in this instance, or a doll baby. I mentioned that surplus of muslin fabric I keep on hand. This is precisely what that's for. I use a pattern that I created a while back. It's not fancy. It literally looks like a cutout of a gingerbread man. You can definitely be more elaborate than that if you want to, but I've I've found through years of trial and error that this is what works for me, so that's the pattern I use. So I'll trace out my doll baby pattern onto the muslin and cut out both pieces. Two pieces, front and back. It has to be sewn together. If you're not much of a seamstress, and I am absolutely not, don't worry, you don't need to be. You don't need to be able to do much more than thread a needle, put a knot in that thread, and using the most rudimentary stitching technique, just sew the front piece onto the back piece. That's all. If you're unable to do that for whatever reason, then I suggest getting yourself some wax, or Sculpey modeling clay, or some sticks, or even a potato that you can carve. You can even wrap cloth around some sticks. Seriously, it's that easy. Not everybody can sew, and I get that, and I appreciate that. But this example is all about the sewn doll baby. So I'm gonna continue with that example. Just know that if you're using something different, a different medium for your poppet, it'll most likely be all the same, just with a different base or foundation. Now, since I'm going to have to stuff this doll baby with something, I have to sew it almost closed, leaving a space unsewn to be able to get the stuffing inside of it. I'll tell you when I'm crossing somebody up or putting a jinx on somebody, I'll usually leave the head unsewn and do my stuffing from there. That makes it easier to sort of, quote, get into their head, end quote, if I need to put herbs or something inside the head portion of the doll baby. But for this instance, for Susan, our sick friend with diverticulitis, (laughs) I'm gonna leave the side of the belly open so I can fill the stuffing from there. That will allow me to not only stuff the entire doll baby with cotton balls or fiber fill, rags, washcloths, whatever it is I've got to use or that I feel like I need to use, but it will also allow me to put healing herbs right where I need them, in the belly. I can also write down an incantation or a chant about the healing of my friend, and I can put that in the belly as well. All of those things will of course be done in ritual, but that's the reason I would leave the side open near the belly. Likewise, instead of belly issues, let's say Susan broke her leg, I would leave open the side of a leg, wherever it was broken, or her arm, or her neck. You get the idea. It's also, when I say all of those things will of course be done in ritual, I'm not really talking about the creation of the poppet itself. I generally cut out the pattern and do the initial sewing of the poppet prior to ritual just because it takes longer than the rest of the components of the ritual. But by all means, if you want to make the actual creation of your doll baby or poppet part of the ritual itself, I can't see how that would hurt anything at all. That just puts more of your energy into it. But while i absolutely don't consider myself lazy where witchcraft is concerned. I think I'm a little too lazy to do that. So I've done my ritual. I've stuffed the baby doll with stuffing, commanded it to come to life, and given her a name. First, middle, and last. Susan Blurfela Schneckenflinger or something. I don't know. Whatever. And then I've stuffed her with the necessary spell components I've opted for, like healing herbs and an incantation written on paper. I'll sew her closed when I'm done, and depending on the sort of spell this particular dolly was used for, I'll either store the dolly somewhere I can see her every day, but out of the view of prying eyes like kids or visitors, or if it's a crossing up or jinxing I've done, I'll store them somewhere dark and probably kind of confusing. But for Susan, I'm gonna put her somewhere next to maybe my side of the bed where I can hold her and whisper comforting things to her and maybe touch her belly gently and say words over it that she would receive my healing energy and would be healed. If you pray, then you would definitely pray over this puppet. Remember, this is an extension of your friend, Susan. So you'd speak to it like you'd speak to Susan. If the doll you've made is, say, for love working, I would do all the same things, but in place of the herbs in the belly, I'd put them in the region of the heart. I'd also sort of dress my doll baby, and maybe adorn it with flowers or put some perfume on it. Hell, I've even put blush on the cheeks and color on the lips before. One thing I haven't talked about yet concerning poppets and doll babies is the tag lock. Again, hearkening back to last week's podcast about cursing and hexing, I described tag locks and how to use them or make your own if none were available. If you can't find a tag lock or don't know quite how to ask for one, you can always substitute with a paper tag lock. My method is to write their first, middle, and last names 13 times on a piece of paper, then fold that paper over on itself at least three times, seven times if possible, That paper tag lock will be put into the stuffing of the doll baby, or folded into the clay or wax, or wrapped and tied around a twig. Whatever you're using to craft the poppet or doll baby, just include the paper tag lock as well. If you've got an actual tag lock, like hair or nail clippings, or something that belonged to that person, do the same things as you would with a paper tag lock. The real thing is always going to be the best, in my opinion. So if you don't have a personal tag lock, the paper tag lock will work just fine. Another thing that's very important to remember is to never let your doll baby become lost or, for the love of crap, to be stolen. A really good general rule is to just keep it out of sight. Jinxes and cross-ups will definitely be out of sight, locked in a box and packed into someplace dark. But let's say it's Susan or a doll of yourself Keep it out of the eye of the general public. Don't have it out in the living room in case you have company over. And definitely keep it away from kids that might not know it's not the kind of doll they can play with. It's definitely not the kind of doll they should be playing with. Generally, when a doll baby or poppet has done its job and served its purpose, I'll usually bury them in the earth afterwards. There are poppets also that I burn, but those are specific, and I have to make sure I haven't stuffed it with cotton balls or polyfill if I want to burn it. Cotton won't burn without fuel, and polyfill is made of plastic, and I don't want to put that into the atmosphere. So for this instance, once Susan is done with her bout of... did I say diverticulitis? And she's all better... I'd bury the doll baby after a ritual in which I thanked the doll baby for her assistance and cooperation, and then I would release the doll baby. If you have a tag lock that you requested the permission for, you can give it back to the owner, or you can bury it with the doll baby. It's best to not keep possession of the tag lock when your working is done. You don't want that responsibility. You can definitely make a doll baby or puppet of yourself. If you need healing or confidence or for whatever reason you can think of for you, you can definitely make an effigy of yourself. Just remember when you bring your doll baby to life, and I mean the doll baby of yourself, be sure to breathe your breath into the doll baby. Breathe it right into where the mouth is so it's alive with you in it. A tag lock from yourself will also give it a really strong connection to you. You definitely want this to have a strong bond. Nail clippings, hair, menstrual blood, urine, even semen. If it came from you, it will work. Let's say you want some help getting pregnant. You've thought about it, you've talked about it, and this is what you want. Using a sewn cloth doll baby, I would leave open the crotch area Wide enough to stuff. You're going to be stuffing that crotch. In a ritual setting, I would stuff the doll baby with potting soil. I would then plant seeds in the belly of this doll baby, something like marigold or catnip, an herb or flower traditionally used for fertility, something like that. If you have a favorite, plant that. I'd then sew the crotch closed in ritual, but I'd also cut open about a half an inch slit right across the belly area so that the sprouted flower has somewhere to go once it starts poking through the soil and reaching out for light. It also makes it a lot easier to water for those first few days when it's trying to sprout and break ground. Make a little bed for your puppet or doll baby in a small shoebox or something similar with a little blanket on it and some bedding and maybe a little pillow. You want to make the poppet of yourself very comfortable and give yourself a nice, comfy place to relax while your body tries to conceive. Once your poppet has sprouted, transplant the sprout baby from the poppet to an appropriate container and continue to nurture your plant as you nurture your body, no matter the outcome. Now, about that one-dimensional poppet I made that one time. I had a boss that used to ride herd on me like I was some sort of wild goat he needed to tame. He couldn't stand me for whatever reason, and he was also a misogynistic pig fucker. It was pretty bad, his nitpicking and harassment, that sometimes I couldn't even get my work done when he was in the office. One day, at work, before my boss arrived, which was usually about an hour after my shift started, I had so much work to do, and I knew if he didn't leave me alone on that day, I'd never get enough of it done to be able to take off the whole weekend. I was beside myself with anxiety, knowing he was going to be there in less than an hour. I went to the copier, and I took two sheets of paper out of it, one to make and one in case I fucked it up. I walked back to my desk. I cut out a vaguely human-esque-looking paper doll sort of shape from the paper and put eyes on it, and with caution... I sauntered over to his cubicle and I rubbed the mouthpiece from his phone handset all over the mouth area of the puppet. I figured if nothing else, a little of his DNA would do for a tag lock. I went back to my own desk very quietly and tried to think of a way to keep him out of my hair all day. All I could manage to come up with in the time that I had left before he got there was to just put a piece of scotch tape over his mouth to keep him quiet for the day. About 15 minutes later, less than 10 minutes before his shift was supposed to start, he came literally running into the office, desperately trying to get on some impromptu mandatory manager's conference call with the corporate supervisor and several members of the upper brass. I cannot remember now what the hell it was that caused the necessity for this mandatory impromptu conference call, but that fool was on his phone the entire day. The call lasted past the end of my shift. He disappeared for his 30-minute lunch break and then came back just in time to get back on the conference call. I had time to do everything I needed to do and did not have to come in on my days off. About six weeks after that, he got caught watching porn at his desk on his work laptop, so he was no longer a problem for me. And I got a really great new boss after that. There's a brand new podcast every Wednesday and as always, if you have questions or comments about this or any other episode of the podcast, or if there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future episode, again, just hit the message button on the Anchor app or on the Anchor web page from your web browser. You might hear yourself on an upcoming episode. Stay at home. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. I hope you never hunger and I hope you never thirst. As above, so below. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, let me know, and tell a friend. I'm Molly Dyer. This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path.